0: Hello and welcome to Render Obsessed, a knock podcast. I am your host Sydney Weber and today we have a little bonus content for your feed, a collaboration with the awesome podcast Multifamily Collective. I'll let you introduce yourself.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm Mike Brewer and I am the host. We have Multifamily Collective is our umbrella group and uh, Collective Conversations is our podcast. So I am uh, excited to be here, excited to talk to you, uh, Sydney.
0: I feel like I know you because I've listened to your voice so many times, <laughs> even though this is technically the first time we've ever met. So it it's makes it easier to to warm up a little bit to people.
1: I agree. The feeling is mutual. Really cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I approached you, Mike, because my audience, you know, it's, it's been evolving, but Initially, we started out um, very hyper-focused on marketers and multifamily. I'm a marketer. Um, a lot of our listeners and our participants that come every week are marketers. We've definitely veered into the realm of um, a lot of recruiting and HR and talent and leadership, and so it's evolved. But um, I always come at it from my own perspective because you know that's all I have. <laughs> and um, throughout my career, I feel like there's always this. Um, there's this disconnect or there's opportunity for more collaboration between folks who are running operations and folks who are running marketing. And I don't know if it's like the left side, right side of our brains that are just like <laughs> fighting with each other. Um, but we're all here accomplishing similar goals. And I thought it would be really interesting for us to get together and kind of like explore that relationship and figure out how we can make it better.
1: It, yeah, it, I 100% Agree with you, and I think uh, I'm. I'm super interested in this conversation from the perspective that even though I'm an operator and I've been a lifetime operator, I'm, I'm nearing 30 years in this industry. I've always had a love affair with marketing, just a love affair. But I'm not a marketer, classically trained or gone to school for any of that kind of stuff. I just love marketing. Um, I think many years ago, there's a guy named Hugh McLeod, and he draws pictures on business cards and became very internet famous for that. But he, uh, he scribbled out something uh, that really struck me and has resonated with me. In fact, that's one of his pictures back there. I don't know if you can see that in the background, but I, yeah. bought, a, I bought a print. It says uh, advertising is the cost of being boring. The other one is marketing is everything and everything is marketing. And since that moment in time, I, that, I believe that in my heart of hearts, everything is marketing. So that's where yeah. my passion comes from.
0: You know, I'm not technically a classically trained marketer either. I have a background in theater and storytelling and writing. And so I think that everything is marketing, yes, but everything is like how you communicate with people and form relationships and tell your story. And that's kind of the part of marketing that I really, really love.
1: It, it, you're so right. It's um, once you craft that message, it's marketing is in that message it's embedded in that message but it is also the distribution of that message that is yeah super, it's really really important
0: yeah absolutely so i would <laughs> love to know um i asked you i approached you and i said you know we have a lot of um technology out there we have a lot of campaigns and pilot projects that we want to try like i for example um tried influencer marketing at one of my properties and that was one of the things that was like the weirdest out there thing and I ended up getting to speak at AIM about it and it was really unique for our industry and I remember pitching this idea to leadership and it being really challenging and I was just wondering if you could talk to me a little bit about like what are your personal KPIs so that we have a better understanding um about how to approach an operator um, and highlight different things that we're trying to make sure that they align with your own goals?
1: Sure. That, that's a great question. I And starting from a high level is a, the perfect perspective. I think, so for me personally, my KPIs are aligned with every single person in our organization, right down to the person who takes care of picking up trash on the property, right? Everybody in our organization has KPIs and they all ladder up to me. So my high-level KPIs are profitability of the company, obviously, first and foremost, and that's made up of two things, uh, revenue and cost control. Uh, the other KPI for me is training. I am a huge believer in education, uh, just education, education, education. So training is a big deal, and, and uh, my KPI is related to compliance. So I want to make sure that everybody in the organization is compliant with our training. Uh, and then team member experience uh, and customer experience are two measures. Uh, and then client experience. For us, client experience means we own our own book of business. Um, so we're, but we have an investment side of our company. So they're a client, but we also serve third party clients. So that experience is very important to us. And obviously, our investor uh, experience. So those are my high level uh, KPIs that, that drive the company and certainly drive, I guess, my decision window. <laughs>
0: yeah you're answering to a lot of different customers your customers are your residents your customers are your employees your investors and your owners for your third-party assets that's right that is (laughs) that is challenging and i even like on the on the multi uh, on the prop tech side um i've had these conversations with our founder dimitri is like he asks people like who is your customer and it can be really challenging if you're not um able to like hyper fixate on one individual um it, it, you definitely have to be a lot more agile and uh, tell your story in different ways to to have it resonate with different personas
1: uh, I, I 100% agree with that i, I think if, if i hear that statement correctly i you know a guy like me you're you exercise brevity and clarity if you're talking to the, to somebody that is down at the site level doing execution get as detail oriented as you possibly can but um But to your point, you've got to really tailor that message.
0: uh, Yeah. And I I think as a marketer, speaking to an operator um, or uh, uh, someone that's running the entire show, having some empathy for whatever we're pitching to you, whatever we're wanting to try, knowing that you're going to have to answer for it ultimately to a whole host of audiences, whether it be implementation with leasing teams, onsite teams, uh, spend, uh, you know, making proposals for budget increases for owners or investors, um, definitely need to prove, um, that it's beneficial for all parties.
1: True statement. Yeah.
0: Um, so, when you are, when your your team is like, let's say I'm I'm on your marketing team and I'm looking to uh, try a new ILS or try a new tool, bot, um, AI, whatever it may be. What are some of the processes that your team goes through to put together that proposal, wrap it up with like bow, and present it to you? And what what's what are the steps from there?
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think there are two two ways I'd answer this question. I'll try to be brief with both. I. In, in a perfect world, our company is built on what's called a scaling up tech, uh, platform. And that scaling up is a book. It's just an architecture or a framework for a way to run a business. And in that, within that framework, you have daily huddles. These are meeting cadences, right? So you have daily huddles, weekly meetings, monthly meetings, quarterly meetings. And in, in a perfect world, somebody who wanted to introduce a new piece of technology is going to take a look at our our team member journey, our customer journey, our business partner journey, and our investor journey. So we have all these things mapped out, right? In a continuum. And wherever this particular piece of technology that they want to introduce plugs in to serve one of those four areas of the business, you start there. Hey, it's going to touch this and here's why it's important and so on and so forth. But it gets introduced through that cadence of meeting. So it may get introduced in a daily huddle and if it doesn't get implemented at that level, if it's something that's light level and can go fast, we try to get it done in the daily huddle. If not, it comes into a weekly meeting where it needs a little more brain pan. Doesn't work there? It goes into the monthly, and if it doesn't work there, it goes into quarterly, and so on and so forth, right? So, and it's all depending on the level of uh, complexity of whatever the idea might might be. Now, if something is, I'll give you an example. Just I I won't name the company, but there was a bot that came out. Let's say, to it was. It's probably almost three years ago, maybe approaching four years ago. And it was very early innings when bots were being introduced into the marketing uh, sort of customer journey, let's call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this this guy calls me on the phone. He says, hey, I'm going to be in Atlanta tomorrow. I've got this piece of technology. Your friend over in Indiana said it was really cool. You'll love it. So I said, yeah, sure, come in. So he came in our office and a week later. We were up and running with this piece of technology.
0: because Wow. It was, yeah.
1: <laughs> but so there, there are things that come along from time to time that are what I think are pretty impactful, and we uh, will make room for them. But in a perfect world, it's the latter thing that I described.
0: Yeah, a little bit more measured approach. Right. Um, do you have any questions for me? I feel like I'm monopolizing yeah. this conversation.
1: Oh no, I you know I I always um, I always think it's interesting when I'm interviewing people to uh, give them an opportunity to highlight the company. So, NOC, uh I know it's a CRM, but talk about it. I, I'd love to hear, I'd love our audience to hear. I'm sure many of them have already seen or know a little bit about it, but I'd like to hear your perspective on what.
0: Uh, yeah. So I was a not customer and super fan. Love it. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, knock, please give me a job. I keep selling your product already for free. <laughs> and luckily, luckily they were building out their marketing team and there was a new role for a customer marketer, which was just perfect, perfect like serendipitous moment but knock is you know it's typically a marketer will bring it to the table and be like oh my gosh I have no idea what's happening with this traffic we're spending all this money I don't know where it's going I can't make informed business decisions but really it's an operational efficiency tool and um what I did when I was shopping around for CRMs because I knew that the our leads were not being followed up with I knew that um there was a lot of like these leads aren't good. I'm like, how can you tell if the leads are good or not if we're not working them? You know that traditional like between sales and marketing butting heads. That's right. Um, and so I knew we needed a CRM. And I shopped around. And I had some change management had been really challenging at my company in the past when it comes to technology. It's just getting buy in from different onsite teams. Some were some were like rare to go and like really tech innate, and some were like very tech averse. Mm-hmm. And so I actually brought in my squeakiest wheels to help de- <laughs> to demo all of the different CRMs. Uh, and so we were a yardy shop, we were exploring full stack options, and we were exploring different, uh, d- um, like, specific companies that focus on CRMs. And ultimately, NOC was just so intuitive. And it was like, you can, if you get your hands on it, as a leasing agent who to maybe their job was a barista for, for getting into the industry, they have no experience sitting at a desk and using technology. Or if you've like been in the industry for 30 years, if you get your hands on it, you can see where everything is. And it's so colorful. It almost, it's like, that we call it Fisher price easy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and it's really, it was built The whole technology was built on collaboration with customers. And so if you get into it, you can see that it it was built as if a leasing agent was like, this is what I want here. This is what I want here. And so what would take you like five to seven clicks on a different software, you can do it in like one or two clicks and knock. And it really like, it is the most simple to-do list. Um, It has business intelligence that kind of tells you what to do next. Um, So you're really attacking those leads that are the hottest right away um and then also you know um i don't you probably you know this but uh the amount of traffic that we've received in the last two years since covid has tripled but our staffing has not tripled that's right and so we're expecting our teams to deal with all this new these new tour types these new communication types and a crap ton of traffic and it's really challenging and so (laughs) Um, One of the things that was really important with NOC is just like the ease of follow-ups and the quick replies. So we can customize all like infinity amount of templates of quick replies with with merge tags. So you never have to worry about spelling someone's name or their move-in date. It's all just totally built for you. So these leads are prospects are getting this totally customized experience to them. But as a leasing agent, I'm like, click, done, click done. And it's nice. But as a marketer, I'm like, okay, here's where I get to the good stuff. So we have this ad spend report. And I was talking to another marketer at uh, one of our newer customers, Rem Group, and he's like, it's like a report card for my ILS partners. Because you can see exactly (laughs) on the entire journey from the clicks up to your website, to the leads, to the tour, to the lease, and you know exactly how much you're paying per source. So sometimes the source may be really cheap, like it's I don't pay that much for this thing, but my cost per lease is significantly more because the quality of leads are not what I need. That's creating more work for my teams and you're able to really streamline your marketing. So um and then there's a whole like resonant I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> no, i
1: no I do have a question there though. There, yeah there, there's so I think for a long time we've we've tried to solve something called uh or what what I've heard referred to as multi-lead attribution, right? Yes. Is that, is that solved for in the platform? Or multi-source attribution? I can't Multi-touch remember. Multi-touch
0: attribution? Multi-touch, yeah. I might get in trouble, but that's coming. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. No, no. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I do, no comment, no comments. <laughs> All right, move <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. all right well okay
1: we'll come back to that we'll do a round two at some point and you can talk. it's gonna be gorgeous though okay moving on
0: (laughs) okay excellent
1: (laughs) i do it so this is unrelated to what you were just describing as it relates to knack but but i so i've been a podcast connoisseur for a a long time um and i finally dipped my toe in the water like four and a half years ago And and it really was on the premise that i'm uh, if you ever meet me in person, I'm a very shy person. If you ever see me at a conference, I'm the guy in the corner reading a book by himself. Like, but I knew that video, I knew that this kind of platform would become very important in terms of marketing and telling yes. stories and things of that nature. So I, I just dipped my toe in and, and got busy doing it. Um, you have this podcast, yes. Renter Obsessed. And so I, I really am interested in learning how that came to be. And I have to believe there's an overarching strategy for Definitely. the podcast. So tell us about that.
0: So um, I went to AIM last year in October and I made, um, I got to speak and I made a ton of friends because of it. Um, they came up to me and they're like, I loved your session. I want to talk more about this. I want to talk more about this. And I want to learn from, and people, um, some of these folks were like interested in learning specifically about what I did. And they were putting like meetings on my calendar and we were starting to have these conversations. And I realized I was just very hungry for connection with my peers. Um, I work remotely. I'm hundred percent remote. I don't even have any other knock employees in Portland to hang out with. And so it can get really lonely. And um, I really wanted to create a space that felt as inspirational and exciting and gave me this energy as I did in person with all my marketing friends at these conferences without having to wait like six months to a year to see them again. And so I knew that I wanted to create a podcast for NOC, like this was already in the pipeline. Um, But then I've and then I started listening to, you probably have heard of him, every like prop tech vendor on this side, like I was obsessed with like Chris Walker and Refined Labs. Oh. As, <laughs> yeah, you know him. And so his format, I know Chris Walker, like he's definitely like, the subject matter expert on, in his entire, like he's, a, he's an icon, but I loved his format of it just being an open call with a ton of people, just able to be part of the conversation. And as a listener to his podcast, I was like, oh, it's really interesting hearing all these different voices. And then I was starting to think, there's all these really unique voices in our industry that don't, that aren't on the conference circuit, um, that maybe earlier in their career and their perspective might be a little contrarian or they might be coming at it from a different angle because their experience is different than mine. And so we don't get to hear them as much. And so by creating like this open forum community, we're able to highlight voices that you would never highlight. And I feel really proud because like one of the people that started showing up to our podcast now works for knock. Um, others are becoming more well-known in the industry. Um, they may get opportunities to speak at conferences now because they're getting, they're getting ideas and having conversations and realizing that what their point of view is sticky in this industry and people are interested. Um, so that's, what's like my, I'm really passionate about for render obsessed, and I also wanted the vibe to be like a bunch of friends getting happy hour versus like <laughs> education. Um, I am not. I did. This is not my own word. This is Dave Gearhart. I just read his book. Um, he's like the best thing that you can do for content is make it like ed- edu educate, I forget the freaking word, (laughs) education and entertaining. It's like the combination of entertaining and education. And so there's so many podcasts in this industry that are very informative. Yes. They wanted to be more raw. And I say like, you a lot. And I sometimes cuss, you know, (laughs) we're just like living our lives together. (laughs) And that's what I was really looking for. I wanted it to feel like I'm your friend in your kitchen, having a coffee with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I remember, I think the first episode that I ever listened to you um, it wasn't your first episode, but one of the first episodes, I think it was on the heels of aim and you had, you had a wine glass. I forget what you call it. Like the
0: oh, tipsy edition, tipsy
1: edition. Yeah. I listened to a tipsy edition. Yeah, like, I was actually tipsy. <laughs> that, that was fantastic. I'm like, yeah. and memorable Drum-bog and graphic.
0: remarkable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my voice i listened back to i was like man my the pitch of my voice went up the the amount of likes were on fire
1: (laughs) you had the entertainment and the education of you say that word that neither one of us can pronounce but
0: (laughs) oh my gosh and you know you you said this perfectly and you go back to strategy like why am i doing this why is not paying me to be a podcast host (laughs) yeah
1: i mean i Um, get it but i Yeah.
0: Well, you said this on one of your episodes, you interviewed um, Paul Bergeron, who's been a friend of mine for years. I've known him since before I worked at NOC. And he, you were telling him about um, Mike Whaling from 30 Lines and your Twitter relationship.
1: That's right.
0: Um, You knew Mike from just being a thought leader. He's obviously incredibly, he's like one of the go-to people in the industry. He's very knowledgeable. I quote him all the time. And you formed this relationship with him. And so you understood what his business did. And when you were in the market for his business, which was websites, right. you didn't shop around. You didn't, you didn't bring three different vendors to the table and say and do proposals on which one. You're just like, I know him. I trust him. I know he's knowledgeable. I'm going to go with him. Makes your life easier, right? Because you don't have to go through the process. Right. But also, that is really good marketing, because 99% of the population of your your ideal customer profile is not in the market to buy you also said in another one of your episodes not to be like a stalker but <laughs> <laughs> you you don't you don't like it when you say you say i'm not ready to talk to you right now when you email me contact me on this date and then you have that person continuously pushing you for the sale and the challenge in our industry is we have a finite amount of customers when you run out of operators and you've burned all the bridges with operators by peppering them with annoying emails, you're shit out of luck.
1: That's right. That's and right.
0: so what if the strategy wasn't, hey, you ready for a demo? Hey, are you ready for a demo? It was, let me form a real meaningful relationship with you and add value to your life and make sure that you understand, you understand what I'm doing and what, what my company is trying to do and what can offer you and creating value for my company. Um, and then when the time does come to have a CRM, I hope that the people on Renter Obsessed at least give us a seat at the table. Yeah. Um, if not, go straight to us because we, they know that we're, um, they're a valuable partner. It's the difference between capturing the demand that's already there, those people that are 1% that's in active buying mode and creating demand in the other 99% of the population who's not quite ready to buy yet. It, it, so that's a strategy.
1: I, I, love it. It's, it's so right. And it's so good. And, and just a remark on that, that one episode where I did, I, I railed on a, on a vendor who was trying to get our business. I, you know, I respect that, that sales uh, individuals, let's just call them human beings that are, that are pitching products. It, I appreciate that you have to reach out, that you have to be persistent, that there is grit involved. And, and I think the thing that I can do as a, as a person who is receiving that message, if, I try to respond to every single vendor. I really do, because I know how hard that is. My my wife was in outside sales. She worked for for Ferent when it was a magazine, (laughs) But, (laughs) but I so I saw her struggle in that area. But when when somebody does respond and does say, "Hey, not now, but in December, hit us up right before budget season," just honor that. Right, I'm honoring you by responding. So please honor that on the other side. That's yeah, I just think that's important. And to your point, if you build that relationship over a long bit of time, just like Mike, we called him when we wanted a website and I've called him multiple times since then for other things, um, for the prior company I worked for and the company I work for now. And I, and I'll always call him based on that early ending, uh relationship that he built with me.
0: You know, as a marketer, I have a lot of, I work with a lot of other vendors, like Printing, print shops, uh, you know, websites, design, like all these different things throughout my career. Sign printing companies, and it is there's so many, and I get such option overwhelm. And the <laughs> process of doing your research is very time consuming, considering how much we have on our plates already. And those relationships that I've built with people, I don't know that they're the cheapest option. I don't know that they're. Um, I'm talking about like printing companies and stuff where there's a million of them. Um, but I know that person and I have a personal relationship with them and that's like, that's a really unique thing about B2B sales. That's different than B2C sales, which is what I was used to previously. Like you can, um, and that was a really jarring change for me to go from selling apartments to selling software to people who sell apartments, um, is that sales cycle is different and that relationship's different. And like, obviously renting an apartment is a huge life change, but it's not as like, it's just like you and your apartment. It's not like, talking to a whole bunch of stakeholders about transforming their entire business and leading them through change management and continuing to be their partner. Um, So it's a very different experience. And there's been a lot of learning. Yeah,
1: it's, yeah, it is quite a different transaction. I mean, it it best in an apartment, you're talking to, you know, somebody in their youth, and maybe their parent or aunt, uncle, something, it's maybe, maybe you're selling to one or two or three people, or maybe four, if you have a, a uh, roommate situation, but yes, in this, it's, it's multiple layers of the organization.
0: Yeah. Tons
1: of stakeholders. And it's very hard. I, I mm. totally get that for sure. And
0: everybody I, has tons of stakeholders. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you have, like you're working in the third party space, you, gee whiz, it's, that becomes yeah. very, very, very complicated. I, I haven't, I have a question for you and, and if you don't want to answer this, I completely understand that. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Nova Nova. I am a notebook. I, so... I'm a big big advocate for best of breed technologies, and so your company is a prime example of that. I, I believe that um, certainly there are you have competitors, but let's just say you're best of, and we have these legacy players in in the industry. And I'm very outspoken about the legacy players and how they really throttle our ability to to advance our industry, especially in the in the tech uh, world. Um, and so, your what are your biggest um, I guess, hurdles as it relates to trying to, to sell B2B understanding yeah. that you've got this big behemoth over in the corner that sort of is yeah. that that's part and part your competitor in, in some ways.
0: Absolutely. Our partner and our competitor. And that's mm. the thing too. Mm. It's, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic because our partnerships with these, these companies are so integral to our success. That's right. Yet they're also our competitor. That's right. um The biggest our biggest competitors, and I actually know this for a fact because we were just in a big meeting, and then I just um, was talking to one of our solutions engineers and he just did a whole research like on who are our biggest competitors it's. People using full stack and people with no CRM so our two challenges are creating demand and helping the industry understand certain players in the industry understand the value of adding a CRM to their business. Because they don't, they don't, they don't know what they don't know. They right. don't, you have to teach people that there is a problem first so you can sell a solution to the problem, right? right? So that's our biggest challenge. And our second biggest challenge is the full stack land. And that's not one specific company that's full stack yarding full stack, real page, full stack, anything, right? Because there's this perception of oh, if I'm only dealing with one vendor, that makes my life easier. I'm just going to keep the relationship. I'm just going to keep going to the person I have the relationship with, the relationship with. The thing is, with some of these, our CRM has been integrated with their PMS longer than their own CRM has been integrated with their PMS because they're buying companies, they're building things later. And so, um, but also you have to think about like, I always call myself the Swiss army knife of marketing. I'm not really great at anything, but I'm kind of good at everything.
1: Love it. Love it. <laughs> love that. I do
0: love that. I'm not a power tool, but I am handy and I can help <laughs> you in most situations. And I'm not comparing myself to like a full stack option or anything, but it's really challenging for anyone to be very, very, very good at everything. And so you have to know that when you decide to go with a single partner who offers everything, that they're going to be really good at one thing and typically the thing that those vendors are really good at is accounting and the business sense of it and we at knock we want to own the front office office and the front office is really important because your customers are not just your investors and your um senior leadership and your um uh, owners but your customers are your employees and our customer is your leasing agents, because right. your leasing agents love using Knock And there's a quote from, I, I'm going to bring, talk about him again, because I just interviewed him recently, um, Wendell from Rem Group. He said, it doesn't matter how advanced your technology is. It doesn't matter how great your reporting is. If your teams don't use it, it's pointless. And that's Knock compared to all of our competitors.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Their teams don't want to use the software because it wasn't built for them. NOC was built for them. So they want to use it. Yeah, and so all of a sudden your reporting is better because people are actually using it.
1: <laughs> there's a concept.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it, it it brings to mind. I I think. I think there's this. Certainly, I think COVID accelerated the pace of this dynamic that is happening in our industry, and I think I think this is happening across a broad set of industry is that people are becoming, or organizations are now being redesigned to place people in positions where they're very strong at doing what they do best, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, Let's say that's site level team members. So, site level team members get to do what they're very good at, but then we're building technology. And I don't know if this was by design that will help serve those people in those spaces doing that very specific work. So, NOC serves a very specific niche in the business process, right? And there are other best degree companies that are filling those other niches mm-hmm. along the way, but we're designing work around the way work wants to be done in the future. I, the best example I can provide for this is that many times we, We promote leasing consultants into assistant manager positions simply because that leasing consultant wants to make more money, right? But that leasing consultant is really good at sales, but not good at administration and debt collection and all the things that are necessary to be an assistant manager. And so it's better to create an experience backed by technology for a salesperson to feel awesome about their job, to get paid well, same for assistant or same for property manager, or if you've consolidated that and centralized a lot of that stuff, just do it in a pointy sort of way instead of a broad way. And that's why I love best of breed technologies. Yeah. Even though we try to be full stack, I'm full open kimono here. <laughs> it, it's it's easier to be an operator on a full stack. It's just because you've got all these audiences you're trying to serve.
0: <laughs> you do, and I, I know that um, there's always that like, Who who is like, have empathy for who your customers are, right? And like, who's taking priority as a customer at the moment? Is it like getting the the easy, like, this is my, here's my budget, here's the thing, here are the lines. Um, But I think one of the biggest challenges for us too, is we really need to do a good job of educating the market on the value. Like, yes, you may pay different vendors and have different vendors, but if that means you're NOI ultimately like we're all in the business to make money sure and I know that things are really good right now but they're not always going to be really good and and also things are not really good right now when it comes to employment and and when you have technology in place that's easy to train you're not missing out on all those hours of staffing when you ultimately do have the turnover that you're going to have the turnover so like I used to think, think about this, like talk about this all the time, like in marketing, I gotta spend more money to make more money. Like, do you want, would you rather have like more lease units and higher rents with some variance reports? Or do you want to like just sit here and do <laughs> what we're doing? Um, so I guess it's like, it's the mindset. Like, do you want to spend more to make more or not necessarily? I mean, it's not like, not is that expensive, but it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's a mindset but it takes, it takes
1: education, right? I, yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I, I think to one of your lead points, it, it, it takes education and education takes time and education yeah. that takes time is built on relationship. And I mean, you, it's full circle, right?
0: Totally. Totally.
1: And I, I just got to tell you, I I appreciate you specifically, but people in the industry, Mike Whaling, you brought him up who uh, are doing that, have done that, are doing that in, I, I applaud it because if you're, you're the kind of individual who likes instant gratification, this kind of B two B sales and this kind of relationship building is is hard, right? Because you're not yeah. getting that that rep of a win every day. Uh, but when you do get that rep in the way of a, a close sale, it's it's gotta feel incredible uh, because you've you've set the client up for ultimate success because you've invested the appropriate amount of time to do all these things prior to that moment when you go live, right? Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, I, I, it's hard in today's world where everything is just TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, like, and I do like, I love all that stuff. I I love it all. I'm a wannabe millennial, but, (laughs) but it's, uh, but it's hard when, when, you know, you're getting dopamine hits all the time. And then,
0: yeah, in, definitely.
1: In an educational sales process, it's not dopamine hits all the time.
0: <laughs> no, you know, I really struggle with that too. Like, I, I have to find those small wins. A win for me, having people show up to Render Obsessed every week. Yeah. When for me meeting someone like you and saying, I listened to your show like yeah. that, I, ha- those wins are really important to honestly, my mental health, because like going from B to C where you're like, Oh, I can see this is directly what I did. And this is the impact of what I did because it's super easy. Cause I had a CRM that was not that I don't have a CRM at knock. Obviously we have a C- <laughs> sales force, but like the C the the tracking and the, the journey was so crystal clear. And in this world that I'm in now, the journey is so murky and it's so, um. and going back to Chris Walker, there's so much like dark funnel and dark social and stuff that happens behind the scenes. Like if you took a screenshot of one of my LinkedIn posts and sent it to your team member, I would never know ever. Yeah, that's right. But that's, that's an important thing that I would, that would be great to know Um, if you listen to my podcast, I would never know because there's privacy policies in place, and so um, that is a really challenging part of of this role that I'm in here. And uh, but having having the ability to be face to face with you and be face to face with our customers um, allows me to like, okay, I think I'm doing this. I think I'm doing this okay. I think this is I'm making a difference. I don't know, but I think so.
1: <laughs> well, I I I will tell you, I uh, I have only known you here just what 40 minutes uh, i've only gotten to interact with you but but i think you're you're doing the right thing you're doing it well and for whatever this is worth you know, i was talking to somebody the other day who said to me and they were talking about you they said that is the future of our industry right there
0: oh my were, god they were
1: they were talking about you specifically <sighs> and so I
0: this on render obsessed anymore now everyone's gonna think i'm full of myself <laughs> <laughs> no. that is really really that feels really good because we're i'm like everyone else riddled with self-doubt all the time this is like my most raw podcast episode mike jeez you <laughs> get out of people all the time is this why you're good at this
1: it's my favorite thing <laughs> my goal in life is to make people cry <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> no i yeah it was uh It was a very genuinely uh, stated remark and I just felt in my heart of hearts, uh, like passing that along.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's, I will say like you, you're a COO of a company, Mm -hmm. like you have a lot of like people, it's really easy to look at someone that's in that role and be like, oh, you know, they're, they're a big deal, they're in leadership. And and also on the vendor side too, like coming coming into this role, I've only been on it for in it for a year. Um, it's really incredible that you're giving me the space to talk about not to talk about my journey, to talk about my career, and to talk about my goals, um, because that's real. That's really rare. Like the fact that you're giving me this time in your day. And also the fact that you're giving me this platform, because you are, obviously, you have a ton of people that that value your opinion and respect you and to follow along with you. And um, not that I'm like a young up-and-comer, I've been doing it for a little while, but I really want that too. I want to be in a position like you are to <clears throat> give a platform to young up-and-comers who have something to say. Um, so... Anyway, thank you for, thank you for doing this.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. And and likewise, and keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're doing it so well. And uh, I, I appreciate you investing time today, uh, you know, to come on the cross show or whatever we're going to call this. <laughs> but
0: We have to do it again. We definitely have to do it. And if one day you can come to a live Renter Obsessed, you are more than, more than welcome. Uh, I
1: I will absolutely try <laughs> to do that. It's just this, our investment committee meeting in our organization falls at the exact same oh. time. So- I can't I'll even watch it
0: for you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, do you have any closing thoughts for our both of our audiences?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, um, I'm a big reader, as you probably can tell. I think yeah, with the
0: books. For those of you listening on podcast land, Mike is surrounded by with the most epic, amazing library out of your beauty and these dreams right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's uh, it definitely is is my passion. But I'm I guess what I would end with is I'm reading this book called Wabi Sabi. And I know that sounds kind of fun or fun y, maybe, but <laughs> but I because I read a lot of books, I don't really get uh, every now and then a book comes along that really speaks to me. And I think it speaks broadly. And if if your listeners pick this book up and spend some time with it, don't just read it to read it spend some time with it i think there are some things in this book that are that are germane to the world that we live in today and will deeply impact uh deeply impact you and will be useful if you incorporate it in your in your life
0: well i'm definitely picking that up i'm excited (laughs) to read it thank you for the recommendation
1: so good how about you closing thoughts
0: um i be my my closing thoughts are I have gotten to where I am because I have been put myself out there. Sometimes I don't think I deserve to be where I am. Um, I think that I'm the constant like imposter syndrome of faking it till you make it. And (laughs) I feel like I keep doing that and it keeps working. Um, And, (laughs) but I I guess I want to say out there to anyone who's listening, who maybe like, you're, you're, you're listening to two podcasters right now. It's really scary to open up and to think that what you have to say is worth saying or why should anyone listen to you? And I guess my advice to you is just just do it. Just try it. Do it as a joke. Yeah. Do it as a joke so there's no ex- there's no expectations you can't let yourself or anyone else down. Just do it to try it. Do something that makes you feel uncomfortable um because it's amazing what can come of it and what opportunities might lay in store for you like this conversation
1: so good so good
0: amazing thank Thank you. you um and where can they find you mike
1: oh you can find me on linkedin that's probably the fastest and easiest way i uh i have multifamily collective or you can just in brewer in the search bar in linkedin you can find me
0: Amazing. You can you? find me on LinkedIn too, Sydney Weber. Nice and loud on there when I when I have things to say. Um, and then Renter Obsessed, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a second, you guys, if you're marketers or in property management, you know the importance of online reviews. So review us in the podcast apps. It helps us grow. And tell your friends. Definitely. Thank you for this conversation, Mike. Thank you. Have a great weekend.
1: You too.